when we decided to continue with FMF and it's like, oh, we should, we should do teaching that's specific. We should leave aside second Corinthians and do teaching that's specific to the current challenges we're all facing. And, um, and then I looked at the passage, this in second Corinthians six, one to 13, if you have a Bible, if you have a Bible, this is what it looks like. Um, or, you know, a phone, open it up, uh, with an app to, uh, second Corinthians six verses 1 to 13. And uh, this is what I was going to speak on that Friday night um, after they uh, sent you all home. Um, And uh, by God's grace, by his providence, I think it's on point to what we're facing at the moment. So I'm going to read, I'm just going to do an abbreviated message. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 to 13, and say three things. Uh, So follow along with me in God's word. Hear God's word. Working together with him. So Paul has just uh, exhorted us, and this is what Chris was teaching on the last time we were together in person, um, that we are ambassadors for Christ. We have a ministry of reconciliation. And so he says, working together with him, with Christ, we are working with Christ, then we appeal to you not, so he's speaking to the Corinthians, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, quoting Isaiah, in a favorable time, I listened to you. And in a day of salvation, I I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech, and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak to you as children, as to children, widen your hearts also, widen your hearts also. And so I was just, you know, reading this. This is so verse two. That's the key verse of the whole of Second Corinthians. I'll just go out there and say it. This is the this is the central verse of this letter. He quotes Isaiah forty nine eight. In a favorable time, I listened to you, and in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. What does that mean? Um, now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. I love this for our, for our present time because we want to. Like, do you feel that right now you are in a favorable time? Does this just feel favorable? You know, I was asking my parents, um, you know, my dad is uh, 70. How old is he? 75. You know, and I'm like, have you seen anything like that? Oh, they've seen all sorts of crazy things in their life. Have you seen anything like this? Quarantine? Like, they're too young. My father is too young to have experienced this kind of thing. My grandparents, they, they dealt with this kind of thing. But my even my father is too young to have dealt with this. This does not feel to me... Um, like a favorable, favorable time. Well, I mean, I have Jay, I have Brandon cooking for me and, you know, Jay plays with the kids. So in some ways I feel like I'm in a better boat 
than so many. Um, I feel very blessed. Yet at the same time, like I, all, I didn't know, you know, a week ago I had to learn to become a homeschool assistant teacher. Um, right? Uh, it's like uh, a whole new time. By God's grace, we still have jobs. But, you know, my wife works in finance. Like the losses have been heavy. Better not pay attention to the news. But the losses in the uh, financial markets have been heavy. Million, I, you know, how many people were thrown out of work? Uh, Thursday, the job, new jobless claims three million, three point two million, um, and uh, this does not feel feel like a favorable time. And I, I know for you, uh, you are going through. Well, um, so many of us are going through hardships right now. We're going through various kinds of difficulties. And may, maybe your your family's financial situation is secure. Maybe you're able to do your work. Maybe you're in good health, but you still feel the anxiety of the unknown, right? The anxiety of the unknown. Um, some of you, I know, like I would not, this is not how I would wish that you would need to grow spiritually in this way, but you're faced right now with this very, a lot of very uh, close time with your family and um, an, an accelerated um, uh, process of uh, uh, relating to your parents, uh, trying to relate to your parents um, uh, at an older stage in life. And uh, much as I'm sure, and I see at least one parent on the call, much as I'm sure you all get along perfectly with your parents all the time, I'm sure that for a lot of you right now, that's creating, and maybe more for your parents, um, uh, creating a lot of stress. Uh, we're, we're facing uh, unusual times. There's concern. I mean, who knows? Like the economy, what will it look like? Will those job offers um, exist um, uh, come summer? I shouldn't even say these things um, lest I spur more anxiety in you. And yet, I think Paul's words here in verse 2 apply to today. Behold, now is the favorable time. The kairos in Greek, the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. Paul, and why do I say that? Well, Paul had no shortage of hardships. There are nine hardships listed in verses 4 and 5. This is what he says. As servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. He's defending to the Corinthians his authority as an apostle. We commend ourselves in every way by great endurance. That's the scheme. This is my first exhortation to you. Endurance. Endure. How did Paul endure? What did he endure? He endured afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labor, sleepless nights, hunger. Look through the list. Consider for yourself just now, what are the hardships that you're facing? What are the hardships that you're facing? Some, just from talking to some of you, some of you are facing the challenge of having just structure to your life, not falling into lethargy, um, wearing the same clothes day in and day out, um, not eating well, not sleeping at the right time. It's maybe just normal life. Um, but some of you, that's what you're facing. Some of you are facing interpersonal conflict with those who you're living with. Some of you are facing great anxiety. Some of you are facing... Um, great uh, social isolation, uh, not just social distance, but social isolation. Well, that's the hardest thing for me. The painful thing for me is that for years and years, it feels like what's what's gone wrong and uh, what's the hardest challenge we face in, in American culture? It's uh, increasing social distance and the, the struggles that come along with it. And we see that so acutely on campus in grad student ministry. We see it, you know, that's, that's always been true. And yet here we are in a time for, for valid reasons um, of needing to social distance. And so what are the hardships you face? Well, Paul, I think the scripture gives us this encouragement that Paul was able to endure 
whatever came. Whatever came. And endurance is not like, how did he do that? Was that just stoic? Did he just grit his teeth? Did he just uh, uh, flagellate himself mentally or physically until he got through like so many of us do, we Princetonians? Those were not his tools, right? It wasn't just grim determination or self-reliance. That's not how he did it. Uh, that's not how he, he was brought through so many hardships, calamities, imprisonment, sleepless nights, and hunger. How did he get through? Well, what? Verse 6, eight graces. Eight graces are listed in verses 6 and 7. Let's look at them. How did he get through? By, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God. How did he get through? What were his weapons? Was it just by trying harder? Was it by stealing his will? It was by surrender to the Holy Spirit and by obedience to the power of God, working through him to accomplish his purposes. And by, by what? And I love this in verse 7, and this is my second exhortation. With the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. All right, we see three in verses 7 and 8. We see three antitheses, weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. And what are the weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left? Well, if we steal from Ephesians, we get the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. And so I want to exhort you, what are the weapons with which you're fighting this current time? The hardships that you face in this time, nonetheless a favorable time, nonetheless a day of salvation. What are the weapons you're using? And I want to encourage you, the weapons you need and the weapons that will succeed are those of righteousness in your right hand and your left. The, the defense of faith in the face of interpersonal conflict, in the face of, of, of sloth, unstructured life, in the face of uh, uh, isolation uh, and all that comes with it, the shield of faith in the Lord. If we are in Christ, then we have all we need. We have purity, we have truth, we have knowledge. More than that, we have genuine love. You, if you are in Christ, have the Holy Spirit in you, and you have the power of God in you. So shield yourself in these days with faith. Faith from the, reading the scripture, faith from prayer. May this be a time in all our lives where we grow in the kind of faith that modern culture rejects, the kind of faith that can be done whether people are around me or not, I am waking up every morning and I praise God. I wake up and I pray. I go to bed and I pray. When I fall in sin, I repent and I persevere. I'm steadfast. I endure and I endure with joy, shielded by faith. Secondly, with the, the sword of the spirit, it's, I, I don't want to think of this time just because it's the special hardship. I mean, truth for me, very anxiety producing. I haven't felt anxiety. I'm not naturally an anxious person. But in recent weeks, I felt anxiety. I have children. You know, I have to consider their future and their care. Um, I have to consider our health. Um, wayward uh, refugees like Brandon Joa um, <laughs> who come to our door. Um, we, you know, there are, thing, there are things um, that I, there are concerns, right? And for the world, for the people around us, for economic costs and health costs. I know right now two grad students, I just heard another story tonight, who have probable COVID-19 um, one, one undergrad, probable COVID-19. These are things to create anxiety. What is our weapon against it? Our weapon is 
the sword of the spirit. What, what does that look like in practical terms? It means showing genuine love to people. It means truthful speaking. It means to the people who at wherever, wherever you find yourself, um, whatever home you're in, whether with your parents or with roommates, um, or for those who are still here on campus, it means speaking truth to them, showing love to them, showing kindness, um, uh, uh, speaking uh, knowledge, living a life of purity. But it means that we need that sword of the spirit, not just for those who, who, who we're with physically present, but we need it in this format, this Zoom and uh, Facebook Messenger. And uh, I mean, just the sheer number of ways you all want to talk to me by, by video call, like let's just settle on Zoom, right? Let's just choose one and communicate that way. But we need to be, even as we find ourselves isolated, we need to be piercing through with the sword of the spirit, with words of genuine uh, truth, knowledge, kindness, and love. Okay, uh, so we see, we see. Then Paul, Paul goes to these. There, in, uh, starting in uh, with, we are treated as imposters. Seven antitheses, seven contrasts. And on the one hand, how he's seen by the world, and on the other hand, what's the inner reality. And let me let me reiterate those. Um, uh, it's uh, we are treated as imposters and yet are true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold, we live as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. Do you feel right now that you possess everything? That you are rich? Uh, that you are living well? That you are well known? That you are living in truth? That you are always rejoicing? May, may that is there by the power of God through the work of the Holy Spirit. For us today, in this time, in this time, in your childhood bedroom, if that's where you are, through the challenge of doing class in this really strange way remotely, um, here on campus, in the, uh, in the, the dorms, uh, it's, it, you know, it's those on campus I feel the most for, I think, where you were so, this, you know, you're picking up box lunches and you're confined to your rooms. <clears throat> Um, and, uh, uh, in the grad college, uh, down in Lakeside, so many are facing so much. And yet in Christ, we have everything. We have everything because this is a favorable time. And this is a day of salvation. Christ has come. He died. He rose again. The church is at work in the world. And God's grace is present, uh, is close to each one of us, if we will only not receive it in vain, as he says back in verse 1. We are working together. We, the Church of Christ, we PCF, we the Christian believers in the Princeton diaspora, if we can claim such a term, um, scattered as we are, um, we are possessors of everything that we need, even if we lack physical presence, even if our health is threatened, even if jobs are threatened, nonetheless, we possess all that we need. And let, let me close with this exhortation from verses 11 to 13. So Paul, I mean, Paul was distanced um, from the Corinthians. He'd been there and helped found the church and built it up and then was away. And they had various conflicts. And that second Corinthians is the story of that. And he had no Zoom to check in with them. He couldn't text he could only write letters. And, you know, this is the beauty of writing letters. See how he writes in verses 11, 12, and 13. Because when we text, we're just like, hey, what's up? 
chin jot, jot of recognition. I, I don't know how you all do it, but that's, that's basically, uh, we get a lot of that going on because we're familiar, even though we're distant. But Paul, he has to communicate in this precious way, write it down, send someone on a boat who might drown um, to take the letter. And he writes, he, his heart is open. We have spoken freely to you in the Greek. Our mouth is open to you. There in verse 11, our mouth is open to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open, right? He's doing a play on open. My mouth is open and my heart is open to you. And they've been closed off to him, rejecting him, criticizing him, rejecting his, his uh, teaching and authority in various ways that we can trace throughout 2 Corinthians. And he says, in return, speaking to them as to children, widen your hearts also. Well, that just as an exhortation. For us, I mean, speaking on behalf of the staff, our hearts are open to you. Though we are far apart, our hearts are open to you. And I know that your hearts are open to us as well. And that our hearts, you know, here in the Zoom chat, um, are open to one another. And that means our mouths need to be open to each other as well. I mean, there are only so many hours a day you should responsibly, like, be video chatting with people. I'm not saying we need to video chat 24-7. Um, but we need to have our mouths and our hearts open to one another. Um, God is with us in this time. This is a favorable time. So many people who are far from God are right now considering spiritual things because the things that they're relying on, a comfortable life, an easy life, a job, uh, eating out at restaurants, the sorts of things that they didn't realize like they were dependent on, they're realizing um, can be taken away. And just as well, those things are unsatisfying. But what we have in Christ, the grace of God that we have, the forgiveness from sin, the new life, uh, the knowledge, the patience, the genuine love, the truthful speech is all that we need. Amen. Let me close in prayer. Let me, let me pray for us and then the officers will take it off. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. And uh, we thank you that um, uh, you loved us first. And because of that, we can love each other. I, th- I thank you for this technology. We're not restricted, as Paul and the Corinthians were, to letter writing. But Heavenly Father, keep us from being slack in our affection for one another, in our concern for each other, in, in helping one another through the hardships we're presently facing, the anxiety, the concern, um, the health issues. Lord God, use us as your instruments in each other's lives and in the lives of people we don't even know you're calling us to. Use us now and in, in the days and weeks to come uh, to accomplish uh, your glory and to advance your kingdom. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Mm-hmm. Thank you.